Your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, another great month, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Why is it such a great month? Because we can go through the entire month of October without having to worry about a government shutdown. Now, isn't that terrific? Now, in November, November 17th, we come back to uh, the need to reach some kind of agreement to pass some kinds of bills to fund the government so it doesn't stop and that the airplanes run on time and our troops get paid and our border patrol agents get paid and we don't have a huge disaster in this country. But uh, look, it's a wonderful thing and uh, congratulations, it seems to me, are due, uh, particularly to Kevin McCarthy, who came out of this thing uh, better than anyone expected, despite the fact that Matt Gates, any moment, is uh, going to be making a speech on the House floor where he's expected to make a motion to vacate. What that means is throwing uh, the uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, out of his position, which one individual can force a vote on that. How would that vote go? What would it mean? We will cover all of that on the Michael Medved Show. We'll be talking about that with Governor Chris Christie, who uh, was not a fan of the shutdown idea. A lot of people who I think like the shutdown idea assumed that it would be shutting down the some of the Trump prosecutions. Well, no such luck. Even if the federal government had shut down, the trial that is going on in Manhattan, where Trump appeared this morning, uh, not looking too happy. Uh, this is a state trial brought by the state attorney general in New York State. And in fact, President Trump showed up for the very beginning of the trial. He is expected to testify. Uh, we will talk uh, about different legal experts and their verdict about whether this trial is going to be deadly for President Trump because it punctures the whole idea that he is a magnificent and consistently successful businessman, or is he been uh, doing fraud for 40 years? Is he, as a Nobel Prize winning economist says, uh, our fraudster in chief? Uh, with his so-called real estate empire. We will get to that on the Michael Medved Show. And for people who have been fretting that there's going to be no serious choice between Trump and Biden, it's just these two uh, elderly, very dubious candidates. Well, it looks like there will be a serious third-party candidate. No, I don't mean Cornell West. Somebody with a... Um, uh, a following, according to the most recent poll that shows him as the nominee of the Liberal Party, pardon me, of the Libertarian Party. And uh, I'm talking about Robert Kennedy Jr., who has kind of given up his desire to run as a Democrat against Joe Biden. He uh, apparently later this week is going to be announcing his candidacy as an independent and with already having met with the leader of the Libertarian Party, 
They're looking for a standard bearer. He's looking for a ballot position. The Libertarian Party is on the ballot in every single state. And here's the amazing thing. Uh, the only poll that anyone has done about Trump versus Biden versus Robert Kennedy Jr. shows a tie between Trump and Biden at 38 percent, but shows Robert Kennedy Jr. at 19 percent. Now, if at 19 percent, he gets into the debates. Anything over 15 percent, if you have that consistently in the polls, then under the National Commission of Debates, you're invited to participate. Uh, what would that look like? And what would that mean for the campaign ahead? It, it is all remarkable. Speaking of the campaign ahead, one of the aspects of the deal that was reached by uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, was that the, the funding for the government to prevent a government shutdown would not include any new money for Ukraine. But now there is talk about secret deals and doing something about it. And there's a very powerful column that we're, we will get to about why it is that Ukraine is, uh, at least in the eyes of Max Boot, a longtime writer for The Wall Street Journal and an editor at The Wall Street Journal, who now is an independent columnist, he makes the case that Ukraine is one of the best investments American taxpayers could make. True? Exaggeration? Uh, we will get to that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, CBS News uh, was uh, reacting to President Trump and him showing up at the trial this morning in uh, Manhattan. And uh, the judge has allowed cameras into the courtroom. Uh, it's not going to be broadcast live, but it does give you a sense of immediacy. You don't have to rely on those sketches. And Trump was wearing a bright blue tie. And there's a question about, is there a hidden message there? When's the last time you saw Trump wearing anything other than a red tie? Uh, is he turning blue? in any sense of the word well it's kind of a blue monday for uh president trump cbs news summed up the civil case against him and what it means for the former president and the presidential front runner listen campaigning in iowa on sunday former president donald trump lashed out at the mounting trials he faces they go after their opponents with the law enforcement now they've weaponized our Law enforcement. Today, the trial will begin in the civil case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James last September. She accuses Trump, his sons Donald Jr. and Eric, and the Trump Organization of inflating the value of properties by hundreds of millions of dollars and pumping up Trump's own net worth, all while pursuing favorable bank loans. Claiming you have money that you do not have does not amount to the art of the deal. It's the art of the steal. Last week, New York City Judge Arthur Ngoran ruled Trump and the Trump Organization had committed fraud and revoked the licenses for some of his flagship properties like Trump Tower. James is seeking $250 million in damages and a ban on Trump running any businesses in New York. Okay, there's no jury here. There is just Judge Arthur Ngoran. And he's already found Trump guilty of committing fraud. That was a summary judgment. 
Uh, there was a statement issued uh, when that summary judgment was reached uh, by uh, former President Trump, and he said, the widespread radical attack against me, my family, and my supporters has now devolved to new un-American deaths at the hands of a deranged, in capital letters, New York State judge doing the bidding of a completely biased and corrupt prosecutor, in quotes, Letitia James, who ran for office based on a all-capitals get-Trump platform before even knowing anything about me. Today's action is a refutation of my status as the leading candidate for president of the United States, including with a substantial lead over Joe Biden. It is a terrible reminder that the radical left Democrats will stop at nothing in trying to prevent me and the American people from winning the 2024 presidential election. He uh, uh, concludes, it is an attempt to badly injure the opposing party's leading by far political candidate. Nothing like this has ever happened in our country before. My civil rights have been violated and some appellate court, whether federal or state, must reverse this horrible un-American decision. If they can do this to me, they can do this to you. Uh, so resist the temptation to list the worth of your house for five times what it really should be. Uh, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, presidential candidate, joins us coming up to talk about the shutdown, Ukraine, and more. We'll be right back. Michael Medved show. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Governor Chris uh, Christie, who is the candidate for president who has been most directly critical of President Trump. Uh, how does he feel President Trump would be or should be uh, implicated or damaged in his candidacy by any of the trials that are going on against him? And uh, what does Chris Christie say about avoiding a government shutdown? By the way, I, I, at some point today, I'd be glad to speak to anybody who's actually disappointed that the government didn't shut down. I, I, it's just, it's an unbelievable thing to think about. Now, look, it, it hasn't helped the markets. The markets are down again today. They have been down. Uh, there is a general sense in the United States that our economy is faltering and stumbling. Um, and uh, Governor Christie, thank you very much for joining us. I, I wanted to get your immediate reaction when you found out that uh, Kevin McCarthy had been managed to rely on Democratic votes and uh, and a majority of the Republican votes in the House, a, a pretty clear majority of the Republican votes in the House, he put those together for an overwhelming House vote to keep the government operating until November 17th. Is that good news for America? I think it is. Uh, look, I think it's um, uh, I think it's absolutely horrible that you have folks like Matt Gates and Rosendale and others who are forcing um, our Republican majority to have to move on to do things in other ways. 
But the fact is that uh, closing the government is a failure. Um, Kevin was not going to permit that to happen. Uh, these guys walked away from a deal, quite frankly. That was one of the better deals that, that we've had in divided government in a while in terms of what it would have done for the border, what it would have done on spending in general. And they chose to walk away from that. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to explain that later on. But, you know, in the end, I think Kevin did what he had to do to keep government open and to govern. Uh, and so I think ultimately that's a good thing. And uh, if Matt Gates, as widely expected, either today or tomorrow or Wednesday, maybe at the latest, uh, puts on the floor of the House a motion to vacate, namely to uh, vote against the continued speakership of Kevin McCarthy, uh, you would oppose that strongly, I assume. I would. I would. Look, I think Kevin has one of the toughest jobs um, in in America uh, in trying to manage a caucus with a five-person uh, uh, majority. And I think he is doing the very best that he can in doing that. It has not helped at all by folks like Matt Gates, who only cares about making clickbait uh, for him to get more donations to his campaign rather than governing. Um, and a lot of things that he says make no sense to me. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's hurting uh, our cause uh, in doing this. Um, when we could have had a reduction in government spending, we could have had more money at the border. And instead we had to settle for um, a, you know, 45-day extension um, in government spending at the same levels. Um, that made no sense for me to me in terms of, you know, how you want to govern. Um, but somehow it makes sense to Matt Gates. That one I don't get. Okay, we had a big government shutdown, the longest ever under President Trump. It was one of the low points of his administration. He had initiated the shutdown in order to uh, uh, to get more funding for the border wall. Uh, didn't happen. And we had 35 days where people went without pay, military people going without pay, all of that. How would the Christie administration, if you became president of the United States, uh, be very different in working with uh, a Congress and where at least one of the houses of Congress is controlled by the other party? Well, first of all, you know, as you know, uh, Michael, uh, it would be different because I've done it. Um, I did it for eight years in New Jersey with both houses. Um, in the hands of the other the other party, and and I did it in a way that was incredibly effective. We got tax cuts done. We got the elimination of the estate tax done. We got um, uh, we got pension and benefit reform done with public sector workers over their objection uh, that saved 120 billion dollars. We fired the entire Camden City Police Department and replaced them over the objection of the unions and got that done. You need to develop relationships. You need to spend time. It's the president of the United States who has to get that done. And Donald Trump's closure was just an act of peak. It was not a strategy. And you have to have a strategy to be able to do this and to negotiate with the other side. You have to spend time with them. You have to both intimidate them through the use of the bully pulpit and treat them with respect when it comes time to negotiate. Um, he didn't know how to do any of that. He still doesn't know how to do any of it. I mean, this is a guy who just the other day said he was in favor of, um, you know, execution for the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. 
Um, this is not somebody who's realistic about what to do in government, nor can he get anything done. That's why he added seven, over $7 trillion to the national debt. That's why Obamacare was not repealed and replaced. That's why uh, the border security is in the horrible condition it's in. Okay, what about the aid for Ukraine? I mean, one of the things that is most notable about this deal uh, was that uh, it lacks the $6 billion they had agreed on before to help provide ammunition for the Ukrainian self-defense. That's a mistake, isn't it? It is. And and look, but that's one of the things that you get backed into having to, to delay and defer um, when, you know, Matt Gates and his crew plays the games that they play. And quite frankly, you know, he's probably in favor of that because he opposes aid to Ukraine. Um, he'd rather do what we did in the, in the late 30s, um, which is to ignore a shooting war um, in, in Europe um, and as a result wind up having half a million Americans killed um, in a much broader war uh, later on. Um, I don't think that's the right way for us to go. Um, I think we need to help the Ukrainians continue to degrade the Russian military as they've done using 5% or less of our annual uh, military budget, Pentagon budget, we, we, we can degrade significantly the, the Russian army and sends a very strong message to both China and North Korea at the same time. That seems to me to be money well spent, and I trust that Kevin um, and the Senate will get back to that in short order. Okay, uh, I know we have a few minutes more. And uh, when we when we do, I want to come back, Governor Christie, to um, uh, an editorial that appeared in the Wall Street Journal uh, suggesting that the people who are not named Donald Trump, who are running for president, are going to need to combine to unite or die or all go down to defeat with Trump winning the nomination going away your reaction to that and more with governor chris christie coming up on the medveg welcoming back to the show the uh, two-term very successful republican governor of uh, new jersey uh, chris christie who is one of the leading presidential candidates right now for the Republican nomination for president. And there was a, um, a, a piece in the Wall Street Journal that uh, basically said join or die. And it took a look at the polling and at the political situation and suggested that the only possible way to get someone as the Republican nominee for president whose name isn't Donald Trump is for the people who are not Trump fans, in other words, people who aren't uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, to get together and somehow figure out a way to work together to get a different nominee. Your reaction to that, Governor? Well, first of all, I, I don't agree with the premise of the question or the proposition. I mean, Nikki Haley has raised her hand and said she would support Donald Trump if he were a convicted felon. 
Ron DeSantis has said the same. Tim Scott has said the same. Mike Pence has said the same. So how do we determine who isn't supporting Donald Trump? Seems to me I'm the only person running against him. (laughs) And all the rest of these folks are saying, even if you were a convicted felon, I'll support him. I mean, so, you know, if you're Nikki Haley, you can't have it both ways. Um, and she wants to have it both ways. She wants to support Donald Trump, and she and she wants to uh, also oppose Donald Trump. And the same way she said earlier that she would not run if Donald Trump were a candidate. Now she is running, and um, she doesn't want him to be president, but she'd support him if he were a convicted felon. And we hear much the same thing out of Ron DeSantis and, and Tim Scott as well. So I don't know, Michael, how you determine who would be in this join-or-die pact. Um, because all of them seem to be okay with Trump as a nominee. And uh, what do you think is going to be the crucial? Because right now, uh, particularly in uh, yeah, in Iowa and New Hampshire, I guess he's running a, a little bit more competitively in New Hampshire, where you're strong. Uh, President Trump is winning less of a plurality in uh, New Hampshire than he is nationwide, right? He is. He is under 40 percent in the last two polls in New Hampshire um, at 34 percent in one and 38 in another. Um, And I I think, look, we don't this is why this is a hysterical overreaction to national polls, Michael. We don't have a national primary. We have a state-by-state primary in the same way we have an electoral college system in the general election. And national polls there don't matter either. Let's remember, in 2016, every national poll had Hillary Clinton winning and winning comfortably, even the exit polls. And Donald Trump, because we run an electoral system state-by-state, wound up winning the election. In the very same way, if Donald Trump were to underperform in Iowa or New Hampshire, this entire race changes. And you've seen that happen before. Uh, we've seen Hillary Clinton was on a glide path to the nomination in 2008, and then Barack Obama beat her in Iowa. Then all of a sudden, the entire race was different. Um, and no one was picking Barack Obama before that in terms of the punditry class. So let's not overreact to all this. I read those columns. Uh, those are people, if for the most part, who have never run for an office themselves we all have great ideas. These are great things for a political science class, uh, but not when you're actually running for president. And, okay. And what about an economics class? Because right now, it, clearly the number one issue uh, for Republicans, for Democrats, for independents, everybody is the economy. Uh, we spoke with uh, Mike Pence on the air on Friday, and he laid out his economic plan. Uh, what's the Chris Christie three-point plan, say, that can turn our economy around? Well, the first thing we need to do is reduce government spending, Michael. Uh, That's what's causing inflation and higher interest rates. So that's the first thing we need to do. Secondly, we need to make sure that we keep the Trump tax cuts in place and don't let them expire to continue to move towards, towards growth. Um, and we need further growth in the economy to deal with our to deal with our budget deficit. And third, we need to aggressively have um, an energy policy that once again per- untaps our capacity 
to create natural oil and gas um, and bring it bring it to the market. And also, I would have a very aggressive embrace of nuclear power as well. Uh, it's cheap, it's safe, and it's clean. Um, and we have gotten 53% of our electricity in New Jersey, the most densely populated state in the country, from nuclear and operated it safely. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't do that. So we do those three things that will really unlock growth in our economy and start to get inflation under control. Once upon a time, uh, I know that you were very uh, strong on the idea of tax simplification because our tax system is just a mess. It's so complicated. People waste so much time and money just trying to fill out their taxes. Are you still committed to um, maybe even radical tax simplification? I absolutely am. Uh, I ran on that in 2016. We need a tax system that is much more uh, simple, is much more direct for the American people, um, and is not a full employment plan. Well, I have nothing against CPAs. My father is one. Um, the, the fact is that we need people to be able to understand the tax system so they can maximize the dollars in their pocket um, to be able to grow our economy and support their families. And that's what we need to do. And that has to be part of an overall conversation um, regarding the extension of the Trump tax reductions. We should be looking at simplifying the code as well. Uh, the last question. There is a surprising poll that came out uh, where it basically asked people, um, and it asked evangelical Christians, people who were religiously committed, uh, who do you think among these following politicians is a man of faith? And apparently <laughs> the leading man of faith in this race is uh, is Donald Trump. He's tied with Mike Pence. Mike Pence has 52% of Republicans think he's a man of faith. 53% think Trump is a person of faith. Uh, can you explain that? I cannot. Um, and let me say this. It, I've known Donald Trump for 22 years, and it is completely inconsistent with everything that I know about him for the last 22 years. And I would suggest to people who objectively look at his conduct, um, it is uh, completely inconsistent with his conduct and his character as a person. Uh, which is, uh, and, and by, by the way, it, but President Trump is seen as much more of a man of faith uh, than you are, but it may be because Americans don't yet know quite enough about you, which is one of the reasons we have presidential campaigns. Uh, last time you uh, uh, you left the presidential race in 2016 uh, after a uh, uh, dis disappointing showing in New Hampshire. Is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, are you planning to stay in beyond New Hampshire this time? I absolutely am. I, I am. And I believe we're going to do extraordinarily well in New Hampshire. And then after we do well in New Hampshire, we'll do very well in South Carolina, and we'll move on from there. Um, we absolutely believe that. And I'm not going to be one of those guys who's going to um, who's going to do this join or die thing. Um, uh, I have great support in the state of New Hampshire, and I'm looking forward to making sure um, that that support is acknowledged and executed on on primary election day in New Hampshire, 
and then we use that momentum to go on uh, to South Carolina and do well there uh, in addition. Everybody can get in touch with Chris Christie at chrischristie.com. We also have information about his campaign. It's posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. And Governor, can only wish you Godspeed. We will be right back. Instability, vulnerability. On the Michael Medved show, uh, still luxuriating in the idea that we don't have an immediate government shutdown, but that doesn't mean that the House of Representatives has decided to get its act together and everybody's going to be working together. The one thing that is important to note, and it's when you actually look at the numbers, it is uh, over 300 members of the House of Representatives voted for this continuing resolution to uh, keep the government operating while they end up negotiating the 12 spending bills. They've already accomplished four of them, and so they have eight more to take care of to keep the government operating. Uh, But they have over 300 Uh, members of Congress, including all the Democrats except one, and uh, and most of the Republicans, uh, close to two-thirds of the Republicans. There were a total of 90 votes against the continuing resolution. By the way, the only Democrat in those 90 was Congressman Quigley from Illinois, Uh, And, Jeremy, I don't know if you'd heard why he voted against the continuing resolution uh, differently from all the other Democrats. He did it because it did not include the money for Ukraine, which he thought was enormously important. Uh, Now the uh, Axios is reporting minutes ago that conservative firebrand Matt Gates that's a nice way to describe him, fanned the flames on Monday of his feud with Speaker Kevin McCarthy amid speculation over when Gates will pull the trigger on the motion to vacate. The motion to vacate means that the Speaker no longer has his job, nobody is seating in the Speaker's chair, and they have to go through picking a new Speaker. Now, it's unimaginable how they would do that. Because uh, there aren't enough Democrats. Uh, The Republicans do have that four-vote majority. But uh, after alerting the media that he would be delivering a floor speech, Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida, indicated that the motion would be filed later this week while accusing McCarthy of striking a secret side deal on Ukraine with Democrats in exchange for their votes to pass a stopgap spending bill. Members of the Republican Party might vote differently on a motion to vacate if they heard what the Speaker had to share with us about his secret side deal with Joe Biden on Ukraine, Matt Gaetz said on the floor. I'll be listening. Stay tuned. Gates has also hit the cable news circuits to make his case against McCarthy and repeatedly trolled him on social media. One member likened the lead-up to the expected motion to vacate 
to a cat playing with its mouse. Uh, Kevin McCarthy's no mouse here. He has actually kept the Republican Party, the Republican caucus uh, together and, and solid uh, despite the 20 or so members, which is the same 20 members who were voted uh, 15 times against to deny the speakership to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, the uh, single member can trigger a motion to vacate vote, which requires just a simple majority of the House to remove a speaker, but how are you going to get that uh, when uh, the the Democrats, unless the Democrats decide they would rather work with someone else, Tom Emmer, who is the whip for the House Republicans from Minnesota, they don't want to work with someone else. Not not after they've just done this deal with McCarthy to keep the government open and to prevent the disaster the economic and I think political disaster of actually shutting down the government. Uh, no speaker in history has been removed by such a motion. The uh, House last voted on a motion to vacate in 1910, and that failed. Uh, what they're saying, conservative hardliners are fuming about McCarthy's decision to bring a clean continuing resolution to the floor, arguing that he broke the terms of their January agreement. McCarthy allies have argued that a small faction of the conference uh, is uh, sparking unnecessary chaos. Let's roll, said Representative Eli Crane, a Republican of Arizona. He said of a motion to vacate, Gates is like an arsonist calling the fire department. One lawmaker told Axios, making the case that a motion to vacate makes accomplishing passing conservative bills more difficult, or any bills for that matter. Uh, here is uh, Kevin McCarthy, it's clip 15, speaking on, uh, on G Gates, and he was on CBS's Face the Nation. Matt Gates, who says he's going to seek a motion to vacate. He's going to try to oust you as Speaker of the House. Well, that, that's nothing new. He's tried to do that from the moment I ran for office. Look. Well, this time he says he's going to keep going. May not get there before the 15th ballot, but it took 15 for Kevin McCarthy. He uh, says he's coming for you. Can you survive? Yes, I'll survive. You know, this is personal with Matt. Matt voted against the most conservative ability to... Um, protect our border, secure our border. He's more interested in securing TV interviews than doing something. He wanted to push us into a shutdown, even threatening his own district with all the military people there who would not be paid, only because he wants to take this motion. So be it, bring it on, let's get over with it, and let's start governing. If he's upset because he tried to push us in a shutdown and I made sure government didn't shut down, then let's have that fight. Okay, and uh, here is Matt Gates. Uh this is clip six with Jake Tapper on CNN about his planned motion to vacate. I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. Okay, and uh, Mike Lawler of uh, New York, who has been... 
He's one of the 18 members of the Republican, uh, the Republican caucus who was elected in districts that were carried by Joe Biden. And so there are people who are were, at least in 2020, more popular in their own districts than uh, Donald Trump was, because remember, he was a candidate on the Republican side. Here is uh, Mike Lawler, who is one of those endangered Republicans who the Democrats are going after again in November of uh, next year. They are the reason that we had to work together yesterday with House Democrats to pass ACR. That is not the fault of Kevin McCarthy. That's the fault of Matt Gates. And uh, again, a lot of blame and a lot of resentment going around about Matt, Matt Gates. There was actually an announcement uh, that uh, enabled the President of the United States to share in some of the national relief. And I think there was national relief. This is uh, Joe Biden's announcement about the government not shutting down. It's uh, right under number 13. I hope this experience for the speaker has been one of a personal revelation. I'm not being facetious. I, uh, um, anyway. That's uh, uh, not the, the announcement. He made an announcement uh, there that um, more than 1,300,000 of our troops will continue to get paid and their families will be cared for. The government will not shut down. And uh, uh, the idea that, um, that Matt Gates uh, basically doesn't like the negotiation abilities of, uh, of Kevin McCarthy... The, the, the truth of the matter is, these are not gigantic issues. Uh, yes, we do need uh, to get control of the spending in Washington, D.C. But it's not going to happen like this with a gun at the head. Every government shutdown, including the one that lasted 35 days under President Trump, has failed and has hurt the party most responsible for that shutdown. And that's why this is a very good direction and maybe a new direction for this greatest nation.